because God has been doing a lot of amazing things. And today is a family conversation. We get to report all the amazing things that God has been doing in this great church. Amen. Somebody say amen. So as I start this presentation, I'm going to make a statement. They're going to project it on the screen. And as soon as I do that, I just want everybody to lose their mind and celebrate the goodness of God because God has been good to us. Amen. Well, I just said it. Here we go. God has been good to us. <laughs> Woo! God has been so gracious to us. Four years of miracles. Four years of God's goodness. Hallelujah. Sometimes we forget the goodness of God. You know, many things happen when we forget the goodness of God. I know we are all believing God for something. We all want to go somewhere. But can I remind you that you're not where you used to be? Amen. Hallelujah. And many times we forget. The fact that you're sitting in a church right now for some of you is a miracle. <laughs> Hallelujah. So God has been good to us. In four years, we've seen God do some amazing things. In only four years. Uh, let, let's just remember what's, what's happening in our nation because I want you to appreciate the great things that God is doing here. Yeah, this is nothing but a miracle. Amen. An average church in America still has 80 people gathering on a weekend. An average church in America, the majority of churches in America have 80 people that gather on a Sunday. And it is said that only 4% of churches in America break 500 in weekly attendance. It is also said that only 1% in this nation break 1,000 in weekly attendance. We are in the fifth most unchurched city in all of America. We're in the heart of secularism and humanism. We're in a place where there's, there's a lot of people today that are not in church, that are, in, that, that are somewhere with... Uh, with their kids playing baseball and different things, hiking somewhere, working out somewhere than those that are in the house of God. And God has planted us here to preach the gospel and look what the Lord has done. We've seen so many souls saved, healed, and delivered. I need somebody right here, right now to help me celebrate the goodness of God. I refuse to get too familiar with what God is doing. I refuse to get too familiar with the fact that we walk in this place, three services, and there are people who come. This is nothing but a miracle. Somebody shout hallelujah. I want you to turn to the person sitting next to you, give them a high five, and just tell them, congratulations, you've done a great thing. I want you to see this picture, and I want you to see that nine of the most unchurched cities in America are in New England. Springfield is the number one most unchurched city in America. What does unchurched mean? It simply means people who don't go to church at all. There's no church engagement in their life. There's no church attendance. And then Portland, Maine. And then we have at number three, Providence, Rhode Island, and Bedford, Massachusetts. At number four, Burlington, Vermont. At number five, we have yours truly, Boston, Massachusetts, and Manchester, New Hampshire. At number six, we have Albany, New York. At number seven, two cities in Connecticut, New Haven and Hartford. 
and then we have Rochester, New York, and then we have California, then we have Seattle, Washington. Nine of the most unchurched cities in America are in New England. That's why it's a miracle to see a church like this. Only four years, people getting saved, healed, and delivered. And I believe this is just the beginning. Come on, I need someone to celebrate a little more in this place. Hallelujah. You know, down the street at Fenway, they celebrate. They celebrate sports. And then when you go to Gillette Stadium, they celebrate. Many times I go to the Fleet Center. I still call it the Fleet Center. And they celebrate. I believe we ought to celebrate even greater in the house of God. Because God is doing some amazing things. Come on. I'm going to give you 60 more seconds to celebrate the goodness of an almighty Jehovah. Hallelujah. Because this is just the beginning. So I bring a great report today of what God has been doing in our church. I have some good news today. I have some good report today. Anybody loves good news in this place? Uh, let me give you a report when it comes to church attendance. So in 2017, we averaged about 400 to 500 people. In 2018, 500 to 600 people. And now Impact Church in 2019, we average in our three services some 700 to 800 people who walk through our buildings. Somebody celebrate God. And God has done that in four years. Last year in 2018, we had 80 kids that we were serving back there in iKids. And today in 2019, we are serving some 150 kids every Sunday. Somebody celebrate the goodness of God. Just a few weeks ago, there was over 130 kids back there. Somebody say, wow. There's another wow coming. And just another few weeks, there was over 160 kids back there. So many babies, they were going crazy over there. Somebody say, wow. Now, while you're saying wow, I want you to shake somebody and tell them, it's your turn to go back there and help. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> yes. Because how many people know there's no junior Holy Spirit? You can go back there and pray for, the, for a baby and they'll become the next Steve Jobs of this world. The next Billy Graham of this world. You can pray for them. Somebody shout hallelujah. Let's give some more report. Let's talk about the youth. Last year we had 23 youth that gathered in the gym. In 2018, today we averaged 42 teenagers, come on, that come together to celebrate Jesus. Somebody say amen. Do you know that it say that only 4% of millennials attend church in America today? At Impact Church, we have well over 70% that are millennials. Look at what God is doing. Hallelujah. I get excited about these things. I, I feel like running up here in the name of Jesus. Can I get somebody to help me celebrate in this place? Can I get someone who's not ashamed to celebrate the goodness of God? This year at Easter, on Easter Sunday, we had 16, over 1,600 total people who came into this building. We had an overflow up there only four years, and uh, 228 of those were kids. 
That's a lot of kids. Uh, we did an Easter egg hunt here. Uh, and can I just tell you the truth? I'm a brother from Africa. I, I don't really do egg hunts and things like that. But you know what? I'll do whatever it takes to get people in the house of God. I heard that there were families who came for nothing but just the egg hunt. And they said, thank you so much for just giving candy to our children. And some of those people gave their lives to Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. And then we had our first youth retreat uh, this year. And there were 23 students there. And here's another number I've got to give you. And I hope you get excited. I was kind of saving that for last. But we had 60 people that gave their lives to Jesus during Easter service. Amen. To God be the glory. Now, I want to remind you that this is not about crowds. I want to remind you that each number represents a soul. You know, when, a, when you fly, the language that they use, those pilots, they, the language they use, they say, they say we have souls on this aircraft. They're called souls. And I want you to remember that every number is somebody's uncle, somebody's son, somebody's daughter, somebody's precious mother who they've been praying for for a long time. So we're not here to, to build some big church, but how many people know that many people represents many souls? Somebody shout hallelujah. Because sometimes there are people who frown upon big churches. It's not about crowds. It's not about some big status. It's about a big God touching people. Amen. So the next data I'm about to give you is the most important data. It's a report that I want to give you on salvations. I really hope somebody jumps up and down in this place and celebrates. Listen, Impact Church, we've had 1,896 people who've given their lives to Jesus since this church begun. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody celebrate in this place. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, it's for your glory. We thank you for the lives that have been saved. In the fifth most unchurched city in America. Somebody shout amen. I would like for you to stop right here and just shake somebody's hand and tell them thank you on our behalf. It's because of you. The church is not a building. The church is people. I can't tell you how many times people have said, I love coming to Impact Church because I get so many hugs. The people there don't judge you. The people there are real. The people there are loving. You feel the grace of God there. And it's because this is the reason why people are getting saved. There's a reputation here that Impact Church is the place where you can go. They will not judge you because of the color of your skin, because of the way you're dressed. And they'll minister to you. They'll love on you. Could you celebrate somebody? Just tell somebody thank you on our behalf. Turn to somebody and just tell them, thank you for making Impact Church a great church. Come on, help me celebrate somebody. Come on, let's live out our reputation. Come on, hallelujah. There's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. 
491 salvations in 2018. And this year, so far, we still have three months to go, but 362 people have already given their lives to Jesus. Amen. Now, I want to remind you yet again that these are not just numbers. These are lives that are being saved. So I'm going to show you a video of my friend, my dude. His name is David. He gave his life to Jesus, started coming back to church after a long time of not going to church. And uh, one time, David brought 26 of his family members here to church. Come on, somebody. Amen. Please watch this video. What up, Impact Church? My name is David Germanari. Today, I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about my life and explain to you guys what has Impact Church done for me. So I've been going to the church for about 10 months now, so I'm still kind of new. But before Impact Church, uh, I wasn't going to no church. I, you know, I grew up in a Christian home from Brazil to here. Uh, been going to church all my life. But, um, you know, here my teenager years, realized that I never had a relationship with God. I was believing the God that my mom believed in. So, um, 2013, I saw going to church. I know, a lot of years since now. And um, long story short, uh, you know, a friend of a friend invited me to Impact, and I, and I loved I loved the vibe, I loved the people, I didn't feel judged, felt welcome. In the beginning of this year, you know, I made the decision to myself uh, that I was not going to church. Um, and long story short, I now can say that I have finally have a relationship with God. You know, I see myself moving from the old decisions that I used to do. I see myself praying more, seeking God more. There's still a lot I need to change, but um, it's a blessing to be surrounded by other fellow Christians that I can seek out for help, that I can seek out for prayers. prayers. And um, yeah, I guess that's it, but uh, it, it's an honor and a blessing to be part of this family. Okay. Come on, I need somebody to just celebrate a little more. Let's celebrate David. Woo. Now, let's give a, a good report on our small groups. Uh, last year, we had about seven small groups, and this year, we have 11 small groups. That's an improvement. Amen. I'm believing God for more, but that's an improvement. And then this is what excites me a lot. We started a class, a premarital training class, preparing people who are engaged to be prepared for marriage. Amen? Because in this church, we're not participating in the statistics of divorce. Somebody say hallelujah. Now, if you've gone through divorce, please, there's no shame in that because there's life after divorce. Hallelujah. But we are training young couples so we can prepare them for marriage. And I'm so excited to tell you that we've trained 13 couples in just two semesters that we've prepared for marriage. Amen. That's exciting. Amen. Yes, 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 yes. We also have a new ministry, uh, our marriage counseling ministry here at Impact Church. We have some 10 to 12 couples that have come together that are being trained to help you with your marriage. There's no shame in counseling. I want you to know that your pastor has an incredible marriage because he goes to counseling. Somebody say amen. Isn't it amazing we go to school to prepare for our careers? Yet marriage is the most important thing you ever do after receiving Jesus. And nobody trains us for it. 
So in this church, we are training people and counseling people and helping people. Uh, I'd like to ask Brother Donald and Peggy to stand so we can see them. They are leading this ministry with our deacons. Come on, can we appreciate them in this place? Amen. There's no shame in this. If you go on our app today, you'll find a box, a tab that says marriage counseling. If you need help, if you know somebody that needs help, today is the day of salvation. Amen. I remember growing up in church, getting married and leading worship, and I would have a powwow with my wife in the parking lot. My wife would get upset and leave and go home, and I'll come in church and lead worship, and nobody would help us. Nobody would know what we were going through. So we decided we were going to start a church and we were going to help people with their marriages in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. So we've all been there. There's nothing that you're going through in your marriage like right now that we haven't experienced. Or somebody here hasn't experienced. We all go through the same stuff and we are stronger together. Amen. Incredible. Now, can we talk about finances? How many of you want to hear a good report on finances? <laughs> Amen. Well, in 2018, we had 622 people who were actively giving in the house of God. Amen. Shake somebody and just tell them, thank you. Amen. Now, if you're not giving yet, you took that thank you on down payment. Because how many people know we cannot do great things without finances? How many people know everything takes finances? We, we don't talk a lot about money in this church because we're an evangelistic culture. We don't want people to think we're all about their money because that's the reputation that the church has. But today is a family meeting, so we want to give a report. And we, this year, we, we already have 638 people that are giving in the house of God. And we still have three more months to go. Amen. So some of you have an opportunity to redeem yourself. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's a privilege to give unto the Lord. Now our budget, this is the budget that we operate by here at Impact Church. It's 35, 35, 20, 10. So we never spend more than 35% of all the finances that come in uh, on facilities. That's paying rent here, paying for storage, paying for the trucks that we have, the insurance for the truck, the services, all that stuff. And then the next 35% is personnel, all the services, special services and that, that we buy and salaries and different things that we solicit, CPAs and accountants and administrative assistants and all that. We never go beyond 35%. And then 20% is towards ministry. All the equipment you see here, the kids' equipment, the flags you see out there, all that stuff, that camera you see there, all that stuff, that's ministry. And then 10%, this is what excites me. We are a tithing church. 10% goes into giving. Come on, you missed a good place to put your hands together. <laughs> Amen. So in the 2018 fiscal year, uh, our accountant, Eric Mello, Mello sent me this information, we did not spend the entire 35% on facilities. We spent 30%, which means we saved 5%. Somebody say amen. And on personnel, we spent 32%, which means we saved 
Somebody say, that's a good thing. Now, on ministry, we put the foot to the gas pedal. We didn't hold back on pushing and buying the best stuff and, and getting the best stuff so we can serve people well. Somebody say amen. And then we gave 10% of what comes in. The financial board talks to me and say, Pastor, where should we give? And we find good places to give. How many people want to hear of some of the places where we gave this year? Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So we gave 31000 to the Medford School District this year. Come on. You got to celebrate that. We gave $31,000 to the Medford School District. They love us here because we're in partnership with them. We're not just here to use their building. We're here to partner with them. Amen. And then we gave another $35,000 towards charity, missions, and church benevolence. We believe in being generous to those people in our house that need help. Those single mothers and and different families that just need a little help. We believe in helping people in this house. Somebody say amen. Now this is what excites me here very much. Is that because we are disciplined. Because uh, we are in order. Because we honor those percentages. We will not go over 35% in facilities. We will not go over 35% in, in personnel. We will not do that. We, just, we stay disciplined. Amen. And Impact Church, because of that, this just blesses my heart. Because of that, as a church, we've been able to have in reserves uh, our ministry expansion budget at $390,000. Somebody celebrate the goodness of God. Come on, I need someone to celebrate a little better here. Hallelujah. I can't tell you how many churches I go to that tell me we've been around for 30 years. And we don't have $5,000 in the bank. But it's because of your giving. It's because of your generosity. I want to show you our Impact Church government, our church structure. We have three boards here at Impact Church. We have the board of apostolic elders. And then we have the board of financial trustees. And then we have the board of elders and staff. Uh, the Board of Apostolic Elders, I want you guys to know that my wife and I submit to five other pastors that are apostolic elders. How many people know that pastors need to be under submission as well? Dangerous things happen when pastors are not submitted. We have great pastors. We have some over 200 years of ministry experience. These are people who have been in ministry a long time, some 40 years, some 50 years, that we sit under, under their feet. They speak to us. They are on our bylaws, by the way, that if Pastor Zenzo and Pastor Michelle ever did something that was not right, we've given them the power to vote us out. Somebody say that's good news. Somebody celebrated a little too much there. <laughs> but how many people know if you have nothing to hide and you want to do the right thing, you can come around some people who know what they're doing and they have a track record of success and say, guide us. Somebody say amen. Say, guide us. And so they guide us. Uh, we talk to our bishop. Uh, they counsel us. Our marriage our life is in order. And I want to give you a good report that as your pastors, we are healthy. Amen. We are doing well. Amen. That's a good place to put your hands together. <laughs> when your pastors are healthy, the church is healthy also. Amen. We're healthy. My wife and I are in love. 
Amen. That's a good thing. Yeah. Our kids are healthy. That's a good thing. Amen. And then after that, we have a board of financial trustees. I sit on the board with two other people that are, that are business savvy, two other people that are knowledgeable in, in the area of business. Sometimes churches get in trouble because you have pastors making business decisions when they don't know much about business. And so we sit with two other people and listen, they approve everything we do. Uh, Pastor Zenzo doesn't make all the decisions I recommend, but they approve the budget. They get a report. And can I tell you, these people are bulldogs. They are, they, are, they are strong. They are serious. When we sit in that meeting, it's a business meeting. Amen. And because of them, let's, let's just even honor them right here. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then last but not least, we have the board of elders and staff. These are pastors and deacons and team leaders. Can we just have all the pastors, deacons, and team leaders stand if you can? Let's honor them. Let's celebrate them. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's celebrate them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, come on. Hallelujah. When you see them today, be sure to appreciate them. Hallelujah. Now, Impact Church... The question now is, where are we going? Where are we going? I'm, I'm so glad you asked. I was hoping you would ask. I've been waiting all week for you guys to ask. Where are we going? God has given me a statement. It's a vision statement that we're going to be using. You're going to hear this statement a lot in the next several months. It's a bold statement. It's a powerful statement. This is the statement that God has given me. Builders, not spectators. Uh, let, let me say that again. Builders, not spectators. I'll say that one more time. Builders, not spectators. I want us to say that together one time, real big. One, two, three. It's a bold prayer. I believe that there's more to come. I believe that our best days are ahead of us, not behind us. I believe that we've just laid a foundation. There's more to come. There are more souls that are to be saved. Many cities to take for Jesus. But I believe that in order for that to happen, is that God has to raise builders, not spectators. Come on, I declare in this place that everybody under the sound of my voice will become a builder, not a spectator. I declare that you will not sit on the sidelines and watch other people build the kingdom of God. I declare that in this season, as God is making history in the fifth most unchurched city in America, that you're going to be a part of that history. You're going to build and not just spectate. Come on, I speak life over you in Jesus' name. I infuse this vision over you in the name of Jesus. It's time. It's your season to be part of what God is doing. It amazes me that God wants to partner with us in this city to see souls saved, healed, and delivered. You know, it's amazing because we all go to our nine to fives. And by the way, those are for God as well. According to Colossians 3.23, it 
You work for the Lord. So we do that for the Lord. But there's nothing more special, nothing more precious, nothing greater than coming on the weekend to the house of God, to the sanctuary of the Lord. And like Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We come to church to build the kingdom. We come to church to serve the Lord. When you hear that we had 160 kids back there. And the amount of people that come. We are waiting for you to serve. We are waiting for you to build in Jesus name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on you missed a good place to put your hands together. Because I believe God is shifting lives right now in Jesus name. I believe that God is raising up Nehemiahs in this church. Nehemiah was a master builder. He was a great builder. And there are five things that, that I want to talk about here before I tell you where we're going. Because it's going to take us having these five things in order for us to go where God is sending us. Number one, Nehemiah had the burden to build. Number two, Nehemiah had the responsibility to build. There we go. Thank you. Number three, Nehemiah had the boldness to build. And then he had the unity spirit to build. And finally, Nehemiah had the resilience to build. Please keep those scriptures up there. Keep these points up there. The scripture reference here, I want you to take a picture or write these notes down. When you go home, I want you to study this because this is a prophetic mandate. This is where God is sending us. Number one, he had the burden to build. When Nehemiah inquired from the people who lived in Jerusalem how the city of Jerusalem were, was, they told Nehemiah that the city is in ruins. And the Bible says, according to Nehemiah 1, 3 to 4, that Nehemiah began to weep. He began to cry. I am praying that God would raise up a people that would begin to weep for the cities of Boston. And those cities come here on a Sunday basis. They come here every Sunday to encounter Jesus. I'm praying that God would give you a burden to not just sit on the sidelines, but to be part of building. But you can't build until God gives you a burden. Lift up your hands. Let me speak over you. God, I declare that you will give your people a burden for the lost in the fifth most unchurched city in America. In Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. A, a burden. A burden to see a church where lives are being saved, healed, and delivered. And for you to participate. Number two, the responsibility to build. According to Nehemiah 2 verse 5. Not only did Nehemiah weep for the city of Jerusalem. But he told the king, send me. Let me go and build that city. Let me rebuild that city again. It's one thing to have a burden. It's another thing to rise up and do something about it. It's, it's not enough to just complain about something. I believe that God is raising people who will provide solutions instead of complaining about what God hasn't done yet. I believe that you are the solution. You are the answer to Boston. So I'm praying for God to release a spirit of responsibility. Start today. Come on, somebody. Amen. You can go pray for some kids. You can welcome somebody who's not saved next Sunday because they are still coming to the house of God. 
I believe that God is raising up builders, not just spectators. Number three, boldness. Nehemiah 2, verse 78. Nehemiah went to the king and said, give me a letter so I can go to that province and cut some wood. By the way, in this day and age, you could not petition the king without the king prompting you first. You could die if you petitioned the king without him prompting you. So it's going to require some boldness. For some of you, you're going to have to open up your home for some small groups. Some of you are not comfortable having people in your home, but it's going to take boldness. It's not a comfortability thing. It's a boldness thing. Some of you, you may have to pick up somebody to church. On your way to church, stop somewhere and grab somebody so they can encounter Jesus. For some of you, maybe you've never given before. You've never experienced the joy of giving in the house of God. You're going to begin to give 10% for the first time. It's not comfortable, but it's bold. And then number four, the unity spirit to build. According to Nehemiah 2, 17 to 18, Nehemiah went and began to mobilize the people. He said, let's build together. We cannot allow our city to be in disgrace. Let's do this together. In order for us to get the job done, we have to do it together. Builders, not spectators. And then finally, number five, the resilience to build. Nehemiah 2, verse 19 to 20. It says that Sanballat and Tobias, those were their enemies. When they heard that they were building the wall, they came and began to oppose them. Impact, let me remind you, we're going to experience some opposition in this church. We're going to experience some mountains and some valleys. We're going to experience some storms. But impact in this season, I want to remind you that builders are not quitters. Builders are not quitters. You know, the generation of old, they used to go to church generation upon generation. Their grandparents went to the church, to the same church. Their children went to the same church. Their children's children went to the same church. Their grand, great-grandchildren went to the same church. Generations upon generations connected to a church and building a church. We live in a church where people go to a church for six months. And then they walk up because somebody sat in their seat. Talk to me, somebody. There are no perfect churches, only a perfect God. Anywhere you go, you will not find a perfect church. If this church was perfect... It just became imperfect the moment you walked in here because you're not perfect yourself. We're going to experience some things here at Impact. But come on, I need a few people that are not quitters in this house. I need a few people that are willing to build. I need a few people that are willing to roll their sleeves and serve the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. The amazing privilege we have to go to church. There are people in a place called the 1040 window that are not even allowed to go to church. People that get killed for going to church. And we have the privilege of going to church. Come on, it's your time. It's your season in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Now, I said all this to tell you where we're going. Amen. Number one, impact. We are officially beginning the impact church building campaign. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, somebody celebrate in this place. Now, as you celebrate, I want you to look at those numbers. 
I saw somebody clapping like this. <laughs> Impact in the next two weeks. I declare in Jesus' name, we're going to raise a half a million dollars. How many people know that's, that's nothing in the eyes of God? Amen. Which means we're believing God for 10 people giving $50,000 in the next two years. 20 people giving 25000 in the next two years. Believing God for 100 people giving 5000 in the next two years. Believing God for 500 people giving 1000 in the next two years. Come on, that's money we spend on fast food for some of us. And we can be disciplined and build the Lord a house so that people can be saved, healed, and delivered. Somebody shout amen. Now, now listen to me, Impact. I am not promising you a building next month. Let's be clear. I'm not promising you a building six months from now or 12 months from now. I'm not promising you anything. I just really believe that we shouldn't be too comfortable here in this borrowed space. Things are great in this space right now, but I believe that it's wisdom to begin to put aside something so that when the time comes, the due season, we're going to do our part, the due season belongs to him. But I'll tell you this, this is what I promise you as your pastor. When it's due season, when the time has come and God has opened up the building and you've been faithful in your giving, we will not hesitate. I'll stand here in this place and tell you impact. This is the last Sunday in this building. We have our own place. Come on, somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. So lift up your hands. Let me pray over you. Because I believe that God is going to use somebody in this room to realize this dream. Some of you in the next two years, God is going to give you business deals like you've never had before. 25,000 will be your tithe. 50,000 will be what God will give you. You will have the ability to give to the Lord. God's going to use somebody who's a realtor in this place to find a building. You're going to be driving one day and God's going to open up your eyes and say, this is the home of Impact Church. I anoint you right now in Jesus' name for greatness. Somebody shout hallelujah. And then number two, Impact Church, where are we going? Number two, we're believing God for impact church locations to come in the future. Some campuses. Number three, impact. As many of you begin to trust and tithe for the first time, it's going to create room for us to begin to hire some full-time staff and part-time staff. How many people know we can't get the job done with just volunteers? Number three, full-time staff and part-time staff. Number four, we're believing God for city impact. We're taking the church outside just this building. There's going to be other campaigns that we're, we're going to be doing outside the church building. Number five, we're believing God for small groups. 50 small groups. Somebody shout hallelujah. We're going to practice what we call intentional community. Our church is growing. Uh, anybody in this place that has a gift of gathering people Let's do it intentionally. Start a small group. We're such a large church. We don't need any more large, uh, large meetings. We need small meetings so people can share heart to heart, get to know people, and be changed in small groups. I want to challenge every mature believer in this place to consider starting a small group. 
And then finally, number six, we are bringing back what we call hunger nights because we're releasing a culture of prayer in the name of Jesus. Please stand if you can. Come on, was this good? Let's celebrate God one more time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.